Okay, it's my turn. Let me tell you, it's not easy coming up here every Sunday and singing. So it's a blessing to, to hear Emily and Vanessa and Frankie. Thank you, Frankie. I think he's already gone. He lives so close now that he's probably already home. He's so, so, so close to the church. Let me get my notes because without my notes, I am nothing. I'm just kidding. Um, my, uh, one of my mentors of my seminary, Heather, uh, she, she said that she learned over the, like one, one of these guys, I don't know who it was. I think it might have been, um, it wasn't Michael Bird. It was some other like theologian, like this like pretty like well-known guy. Um, and she said that under him, like in his class, they weren't allowed to use notes. Like they had to go like off the dome which is crazy to me. I'm like, how do you do that? Especially with passages like what we're about to go into, it's like, you just gotta come from the dome. Wow, it's like, you know when Eminem raps in Eight Mile? Kinda like off the dome, you know what I mean? No? I thought that was gonna get a laugh out of Will. Didn't, I think Will's in another planet right now. He's, he's thinking about the, the Copa right now. I'm excited to be with everyone like I always say every week, but I, I wanna make this, I wanna emphasize this one point. I'm, I'm really honored to, to be able to share God's word. It, it's truly a blessing. Uh, the word of God is, is how we describe life. Um, you know, Jesus speaks to us in his word. The spirit speaks to us in the word. So it's honestly an honor to be up here and to be able to preach the word, but, when there is passages like what we're about to go through, it's a difficult one. So I'm going to ask something from all of you this afternoon. I'm going to ask for grace from all of you, okay? The reason why is because I am a human being that messes up. And just like you guys, you guys mess up. So I might say some things that might trigger some people, and um, that has to be okay for today. Give me grace. This is probably one of the passages that I've studied really, really like in depth. Um, I don't think I've ever gone into depth with the Greek in this passage. It's a really difficult one, but I do believe that God has a word for us today, and he has a word in his word. So let us open up our Bibles to 1 Corinthians 11. This is after the Gospels, so if you look at the New Testament, it's a little bit, you know, you keep going a couple, couple books, and it's there. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For the sake of time and our sanity, we're only going to go through verses 1 to 16. Hopefully, or in the next couple of weeks, we'll go over the second part of this chapter. But today, we're just going to go over verses 1 to 16. As we've been talking in the past, and I, I want to preface this by saying we've been talking about this church, and this church is found in Corinth, right? It's a place. And these people have basically been, like I like to call, undergoing construction in the church. They were going through some things that uh, a guy named Paul, he's like an apostle, someone that was called by God, Paul is writing to this church, kind of correcting some things that needed to be corrected. There was certain things that the people in Corinth were practicing 
that he's like, uh, I don't know, you guys are kind of going outside of what we believe. So this is just another point. This is just another point in the saga of correcting the Corinthians. And it's one of the most difficult ones for us today in the 21st century to interpret. So let's start. Verse 2. We're going to start with verse 2. Verse 1 is actually from the last chapter. So we're going to start with verse 2. This is what the word of the Lord says. I praise you for remembering me and everything and for holding to the traditions just as I passed them on to you. It is probable that right here he is starting a new line, a new line of argument, or maybe not argument, but correction. You see, in the past, uh, if you guys were here last week, for those of you that weren't, in chapters 8 through 10, we were seeing that the Corinthians were doing some bad stuff. They were basically saying that knowledge, the knowledge that they possessed, was above everything. And they were at the point where they were like, we don't need to listen to you. We can be our own type gods, right? And so at this point, he's kind of creating a new line of argument. He's addressing another point, another problem that is undergoing or happening in the church. So that's why he says, I praise you for remembering me and everything and for holding to the traditions just as I passed them on to you. Verse three, this kind of sets the foundation of where we're going. But I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is man and the head of Christ is God. I want to do another pause here. I'm going to be pausing a lot, but I think it's, it's foundational for what we're about to talk about. I want us to pause because it's very easy for us English readers to read this and say, huh, what Paul is saying here is that I, as a man, am dominant and above women. At first glance, if we just read the passage for what it is, that's kind of the vibe that we get from it, right? Women, it says they don't even have a head, right? They're not even, they're not even there. But essentially, what it's saying is women are subordinate to men. Now, I know many of us have been in the church for some time. Many of us have heard this type of argument that women, women must submit themselves to man. And that's kind of like the end of the argument, right? Like, women, submit yourselves to your husbands. Women, submit yourselves to man. And like we just said, it's it kind of like we see this hierarchy that it goes, you know, just to put it simple for us, it goes God, man, and woman. And if we're not careful, we can believe that. If we're not careful in interpreting the scripture, we can believe that and we can act in such a way that me, as a man, can be dominant, or I am dominant, than all women, if we're not careful. But what I want to try to argue today, what I want to state is that's not the case that Paul is making. And I want you to hear me on this, because this is a foundational 
idea that, that can change the course of how we act in our day-to-day -day life, in the way we think, in the way we act. So it's very important that we pay attention to this piece. I was reading a lot of commentaries, so I have a lot of, a lot of guys' quotes in the back of my pocket right now. And so I'm going to say some right now, so don't get um, lost, please. Hear it. There's one guy, his name is Gordon D. Fee. He's an American theologian, someone that studies the Bible, studies God. He says this, Indeed, the metaphorical use of kephale in Greek, meaning head, to mean chief or the person of the highest rank is rare in Greek literature. Paul's understanding of the metaphor, therefore, and almost certainly, the only one the Corinthians would have grasped is the word head, listen to this, as source of life. So when you read the passage and it says, the head of every man, the head of every, or of Christ, what do you read? Authority, right? That's kind of like the first thing that we jump to, right? The head is what? Authority. The head is what? Chief. The head is what? Primary. The head is what? Number one. Kind of thing, right? Am I, are we still good? Are we, we're like on the same path? All right, cool. This is important. We should listen to this because if this means the head, the word head in verse three, if this means not authority, but instead source of life, the passage has a different meaning now. It no longer means or goes that men are superior, are, are number one, are above, are dominant of women. Women need to be subordinate to men. It doesn't mean that, but instead, it says the source of life of every man is Christ and the source of life of the woman is man and the source of life of Christ is God. And this, of course, if we just pause to think about this for a second, this is coherent with the whole entire, entirety of the Bible, right? I was just thinking and, and there's uh, some verses that come to mind. The, number, the first one is Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21, which says, that it's, talk, it's talking about husbands and wives must submit. Not women submit, but man and wife submit to one another. I'm choosing my language very carefully right now. Husbands and wives must submit to one another out of their what? Their reverence to Christ. Hear me again, my people. Paul's main concern here what he's fighting for, his main objective, if you can call it that, is not who has authority over the other. He's not saying women are subordinate to men, men even are subordinate to women. No, he's saying that they are equal, okay? We have that? We're good? So when we read that, English readers, do not think that head equals authority see it as head equals source or even source of life, okay? Instead, the problem that he is facing, what he's talking, what he's addressing here, 
is related to the relationships that are within the church and how both sexes, male and female, are causing issues by blurring the lines of the distinction between the sexes. So I want to continue reading before I get ahead of myself, okay? Because I already am, kind of. Verse 4. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. It is the same as having her head shaved. For if a woman does not cover her head, she might as well have, have her hair cut off. But if it is a disgrace for a woman to have her hair cut off or have her head shaved, then she should cover her head. A man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. But woman is the glory of man. For man did not come from woman, but woman from man. Neither was created for woman, but woman for man. It is for this reason that a man, sorry, that a woman ought to have authority over her own head because of the angels. That verse makes no sense at all. No sense. Nevertheless, in the Lord, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as woman came from man, so also man is born of woman. But everything comes from God. And then he goes on, and I think we should just finish off. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not the very nature of things teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a disgrace to him? But that if a woman has long hair, it is her glory. For long hair is given to her as a covering. If anyone wants to be contentious about this, we have no, no other practice, nor do the churches of God. If we read it as a biblicist would, we would be in trouble with culture at this time. You say this to anybody on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, I record Emily reading this, she'll get flamed in a second. She'll get flamed. She'll get canceled, as the kids say. Canceled. But for a moment, I want us to think about something, something that probably is going to make us a little bit uncomfortable, something that will make us kind of feel like this is out of the ordinary, something that is probably like, what is Lowe saying? And it's this. What if we all came in here right now, and you've probably heard it if you were in the last three sermons, two sermons. What if we all came in here right now with bikinis? Oh, that's what Fabi said. What if we came here and just wore like our beach outfit? Now, really quickly, like, what did you, what did you feel? What did you think initially? What was your initial like reaction? Nope. Ooh. <laughs> it's kind of weird, right? It's like church and bikinis shouldn't be in the same sentence, right? You kind of feel like that right? Some people are like, no, I bring my bikinis to church. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I'm kind of almost there. Me and Will are almost there with the Hawaiian shirts on. And, and I think it's, it's a weak comparison because all analogies aren't perfect, right? I think it's a weak comparison, but it gives us an idea of what's going on in the Corinthian church, which is that I believe 
Paul is touching on a similar issue. The Corinthian church was starting to fall out or to blur the lines of the sexes. Throughout the verses, we see the, the covering of the head for men or uncovered head for the woman could dishonor God. And, and that statement really means like Paul was talking about, and I'm going to talk a little bit later, but it's talking about the hairstyles of the time. So the hairstyles that they were doing, man or woman, whoever it was, they were kind of blurring the lines of the distinction. Basically, men were dressing in a way that societal way of dressing for a woman, they would be dressing like that. And women were doing the same thing, but for a man. So they were dressing kind of like cross-dressing in a way. And there, there's a reason for this. Um, but before I get into that, some modern scholars, such as this other dude that I have in my back pocket, Jerome Murphy O'Connor, he said something, and he, he believes this, that Paul was probably speaking about hairstyles, like I just mentioned, and that he wanted the Corinthians to have hairstyles that were socially acceptable according to the culture of Corinth of the time. It's the same way if I told you guys, hey, we, we all know that we're free in Christ. We all know that, you know, one day we're going to be with him. And, you know, you hear that and it's like, oh, that's really pretty. That's really nice words, right? That's, that's really cute. We're going to go to heaven one day, right? That's kind of what you hear and you, it makes you feel warm inside. And it's like, so it really doesn't matter what you do outside of here. You can do whatever and it really does not matter. So if you want to walk, and forgive me if this offends you, but if you want to walk outside naked, you can because culture really has no effect on us. Although culture here, if you walk outside naked, that's kind of weird, unless you're in San Francisco, right? That's kind of normal, you do whatever. But seriously, right? That wouldn't be culturally appropriate. Can we agree on that? We can agree, right? And so what we see here in Corinth is that the hairstyles that the women, and a lot of people like to point just at the women, and I wanna kinda eradicate that, because it's not just towards the women, it's also towards the men. Both had a fault here, and they were both doing these hairstyles that were, again, blurring the lines of gender. They were trying to erase this problem of distinction between the genders. And I think it, it was a bigger problem at hand. There was a problem behind the problem as we've seen in Corinth. There was a problem with their eschatology. Ooh, big word. Eschatology, essentially what that means is it's a branch of theology concerned with the final events, the final times, the end times. And they had a problem with this. The reason why is because both men and women in the church thought that the kingdom age had fully arrived. And with that, gender distinctions as well as sex and procreation were no longer important. They saw themselves as genderless angels. And, you know, there was a reason for this. I'm not going to say that they just got this out of the blue. If you turn your Bibles, and if you guys want, it's just as a reference. Uh, Galatians 
says something very, very fundamental for us to understand. And maybe this is where the ideas started flowing, where it says this. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, ding, 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 for you are all one in Christ. So if you read that as a first century Gentile or Jew, it is very probable that you could say, hey, there's no longer a need for gender. We can kind of blur the lines. And it doesn't really matter because we are all one in Christ, brother and sister, or sorry, nothing, I don't know. There's no need for that. No need. So they were probably alluding to this idea. This idea that there is nor male, nor female, nor Jew, or Gentile, nor slave, nor or free. Doesn't matter. You are all one in Christ. So in their mind, and this is us speculating, us together as a group, in our mind, it could have been that they had this mentality of let us do whatever we want because we are one in Christ and we are free in Christ so we can do as we please. If there is neither male or female, there need not be distinctions among us. Paul did not want the Corinthians to unnecessarily behave in culturally inappropriate ways. Are we still good? This is starting to make a little bit of sense. Hopefully, people are like, I don't know, this guy's tripping. You lost me at, you lost me at uh, procreation. You're like, what is that? The rest of the verses that we just read give the story of creation between man and woman. Paul here in verses 7 to 12 is not trying to interpret the story he is simply retelling it as a reference to Genesis 1, 26 to 27. And I wanted to read that because I think it's fundamental for what he's doing. He's making an argument of creation here. And he's saying, you guys are trying to blur the very thing that God made you to be. You guys are trying to eradicate or do away with how God made you. So I think it's important for us to go back in Scripture in Genesis, the beginning, and read what, what, what the Lord says. It says, Then God said, Let us make mankind, humankind, in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Hear this. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And what he is essentially saying is that we as men and women are also, in verse 12, dependent of one another. You heard me right. Dependent. Not independent. I-N-D. No? No, 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 no. No, no, we're in church. Come on, April. Come on, come on. We are dependent on each other. It's kind of what I said earlier. The problem is not a hierarchy problem. It's a relationship problem. And I wanted to pause here because I think our culture kind of has some, it, it touches on these things a lot. Um, and, and, you know, we, we, we talk about these things all the time, honestly. And one of those things that we talk about is to a toxic 
masculinity. You guys have heard that, right? And we're all for that. But there's also such a thing as toxic femininity, right? Right? Emily's like, yup. And, and I think this is an is a, is a issue that we need to address because I think there is a thing that man cannot depend on himself alone, as scripture says, and woman cannot depend on herself alone. And I think one of the things that we see in scripture, again, this is not about hierarchy, and we've made it about that. We've made it about trying to step above one another. And unfortunately, the church does have to raise their hand and say, yeah, we've messed up. Because we do have this type of reputation, if you would call it, that women are always submissive or not even submissive, subordinate to men. And that's unfortunate because that's not what we see in scripture. That's not what we see here in the Bible. Especially in 1 Corinthians 11, I, I was telling Pastor Tony when I was studying for this passage, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do a little YouTube search on my own. And I type it in, and literally the first things that come up are people, pastors, talking about this passage in particular, talking about wives and husbands. And I'm like, but this has nothing to do with that. But we've made it about that. So what I'm saying is, it's, it's a very simple point, but we've blurred the lines. We've tried to one-up each other as man and woman. Gordon D. Fee, the theologian that I was talking about earlier, he says something else in verses 7 to 12 when he's talking about the man and the woman. He says, the man would refer to Adam and the woman to Eve. Thus, the man is the source of the woman's life. But as the second passage, verse 12, makes plain, that is only part of the story. In a much more significant way, all things, both man and woman, come from God. I think this is fundamental because it's the circle of life. Sometimes we think that man is the one, or if we read it just like it is, Man is the source of the woman. And it is, but that doesn't mean that the man is above the woman. As we see in Genesis, man is created out of the dirt. And God says, I breathe life into him. But then what happens? The man is lonely. Adam's all sad. And what does God do? He puts him into a deep sleep, removes the rib, the source, and creates woman for him. Now, do we get from that story that man is submissive, sorry, subordinate to man? Is woman subordinate to man? No. They are dependent of one another. You see, I look at that story now differently. Because before, I'm not going to lie, and I'm confessing right now that I did look at it like, you know, women are, are kind of submissive and, you know, men, we're kind of like the, the macho guys. But in reality, it's not that at all. It's not that at all. Listen to it. The man needs the woman. And the woman needs the man. 
They're dependent. Don't mishear me. I'm not saying that one is above the other. Remember before I said that there was this kind of like hierarchy? It was God, woman, and man. I was explaining to April and, and Brian before this. It's not that at all. It's actually God is above all creation. You hear that? God is above all creation. But man and woman, they're equal. There is no hierarchy. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that a different way of looking at scripture? Especially when we've heard all our life that, hey, submissive, you need to be under. And it's not that. Lupita's like, I never heard that before. Another thing that I'm not saying is roles. And this is something that I want to touch briefly on because I'm not, not going to lie, I'm ignorant in it. And I don't want to tell you anything that, you know, I myself am struggling with. Well, I am struggling with it, but you guys get it. It is not a bad thing that a man stays home, takes care of the kids, cooks, and cleans. I got one. It's not a bad thing. Maybe society, society might look at it like, oh, that's kind of weird. Right now, it's kind of like, it's kind of progressing a little bit, right? But that's not a bad thing. If my wife, Alyssa, brings home the bacon, I'm cool with that. I'll be the best stay-at-home dad ever. That's not the problem, though. We've made that the problem, but that's not the problem. In the same way, I kind of want to go back to the issue that the Corinthian church is going to, because I don't want to go too far from this. But in the same way, there were certain roles that the people in Corinth were not abiding in. They were basically doing certain things that are not according to what the church or the doctrine of the church were believing. And so Paul is coming over and he's addressing those things. And one of the things that he addresses is this. He says the hairstyles that the women are doing, they were, says they were letting go of their hair. It's kind of like what we interpret. They were letting go of their hair. Now, right now, almost all the women here have their hair down. Is that a problem? Of course not. And for me to say, if you have your hair down, that's a sin. No, that's, that would be bad of me, right? Because that was, that was a cultural thing, right? That was a cultural thing. And the reason why that was a problem, and let me explain myself here, is because when you have your hair down, it was kind of like the analogy that I just gave about the bikini thing. It would be kind of the same thing. Having your hair down at that time, what it essentially meant was a statement that they were making. And that statement was that they were promiscuous or that they were prostitutes. Not saying that if you have your hair down, you, you, you get me. I'm not saying that. What I am saying, though, at the time, that's what this meant, okay? Another thing, first century, remember that. Another thing, men also had a problem. And what they were doing is that they were doing certain hairstyles, certain hairstyles that resembled more a feminine look, to say it in those words. And what Paul was saying was you have a problem 
in your eschatology. You have a problem in the way you view things, so I'm here to correct you. But I want to make this very clear. Usually the problem at, at, at face value is not really the problem. What they were going through, it was just a symptom of a deeper problem. Like I like to say, and I know I'm going long on this, but usually there is a problem behind the problem. And I believe the problem behind the problem here was the attitude of the believers. And it was this. They were abusing their freedom in Christ. They were abusing their freedom in Christ to the point where they did not want to abide by the appropriate cultural norms that were in place at the time. They were abusing the freedom that they had in Christ to their own benefit, for their own gain. And this is obviously not new from them. We see this in the past. We just talked about it in verse chapters 8 to 10. The Corinthians were acting a fool. They said that they had knowledge above knowledge and that really they did not need Christ because the knowledge exceeded and they were above everyone. They were trying to one-up another. So this is not new from this church. This is not new from these people. The people, not these people, the people. They were acting as if they did not respond to anyone because of their freedom in Christ. And bottom line, I believe the problem behind the problem was that they were abusing their freedom in Christ. In their abuse and blurring the lines of gender, it can also be said that they were doing so to gain advantage of one another or trying to be superior to one another. And that's why they were trying to erase this gender. They were trying to one-up one another. The women were trying to be more masculine and the men were trying to be more feminine in order to one-up the other. And to be honest, this is where I want us to pause and look at the whole situation. And I want to say that this is a very sad, very sad reality that applies to us today. And I'm almost done, I promise. In order to seek, and I want you to listen to this because I think this is a word for everyone here. In order to seek recognition, status, or approval, many turn to the culture. Did you hear me? Unfortunately, the culture isn't always fair with us, is it? Every day we see comparison after comparison on social media platforms or whatever you're on. For women, I believe, and you guys can correct me after, if you don't look skinny, if you don't have a certain complexion, if you don't have long hair, ironically, if you don't have these specific facial features, you're not seen as worthy or acceptable in culture. Same with men. If we don't have a good paying job, if we can't bring home the bread or bacon, if we don't look buff, if we're not hub, 
And my favorite, you know, if you're not six feet. If you don't have these things, you're not seen as acceptable or worthy or you have no value. And of course, now everything, like I said before, everything is progressing and people are being more acceptable to these things and people are like, just like, um, not trying to body shame and they call people out if they body shame and all that stuff. But again, it's subjective. A lot of people still do it no matter what, right? You guys, you guys can, you guys know because we're all on social media so you guys see it. There is usually a problem behind the problem. What I think this all has to do with one another is this, with the Corinthians and us. The Corinthians couldn't see past the hairdos. They couldn't see past their problem, their initial face value or, or the initial problem that they were having. But this is what I believe Paul is saying to the people, you are worthy. You are acceptable. Not because of what you look like. Not because of how many likes you get on Instagram. Not because of how many views you get. Not because of how many A's you receive. Not because you are a CEO of a company. Not because you are the most successful person in your family. But you know why? Because God created you in his image. That is where your value comes from. What Paul is getting at here is that they are so focused on themselves. They're so focused on the hairdos, which for us, like we already discovered, is not a problem. You know, I don't think Paul was faded up. You know what I mean? I don't think so. I don't think that was the problem. For us, it's not, right? If someone has long hair, cool. If you have short hair, cool. Those aren't the problems. But the problem behind the problem, we still have, right? Which is, we look at culture. We're so focused on the problems around, and we're not focused on what the gospel is saying. What I see Paul trying to do here is he's removing the problem so that they can see Christ. They're removing the issue at hand to see what truly matters, which is the gospel. Now, you might be sitting there and saying to yourself, are you saying that I can't wear pants? Are you saying that I can't wear a hat to church? And I hope you're not asking yourself that because then you'll miss the point. But essentially, another question that I asked myself as I was writing this is, is there a standard for us? Because it could be very easily misinterpreted what I'm saying and say, we have no standard. We can kind of do whatever we want. Uh, we have freedom in Christ. There's really nothing for us. We can do whatever, right? We are one in Christ, yeah? There's no gender, <laughs> no. It's not what I'm saying. I think there is a standard. There was a standard for the Corinthians and there's a standard for us. And the standard is the gospel. Speaking it in word and truth, this is our standard. 
Our main concern is proclaiming the good news of Christ. And I say that, that this is the standard because it moves us to remove the issues around us. It's no longer if the person in the back is wearing jeans with ripped rip jeans or someone's wearing a hat in the congregation. Those issues really have nothing. I remember going to a church and them telling me, they're like, you're wearing a hat, you shouldn't be here. And that's, that's going to affect me for worshiping God? It's verses like these that if we misinterpret, we can fall in the same, same way of, of, of sinning against our brothers and sisters. So he's not saying that. What he's saying is remove the issues. Those aren't the central ideas. The central idea is the gospel. And this is our standard. Just as Paul did here, we must do this in our own lives, proclaiming his life, his death, his resurrection, and his coming. We can do this fully when we embrace who God made us to be, whether you're a male or you're a female. You don't need to try to be the other. You can be yourself because he made you like that and you have value like that. There are so many people in our culture today that are struggling with this identity crisis, right? There are some that don't know if, if, if they're a, a man or a woman and to those people, with love and sincerity of heart, I would say, embrace who God made you to be if you are man or female, or male or female. I'll end with this story. Pastor Tony, you said it better, but I'm gonna butcher this, but here it goes. There's a, a writer, I think he's a theologian too, right? Dude, three theologians, look at me, crazy. That's what seminary does. Um, his name is uh, Eugene Peterson, and he talks about uh, a story, a situation, a circumstance that he was, I think he was going down the river, and he, he saw these uh, birds. They're called swallows. How do you say it in Spanish? I don't know. Swallows. And as he was, he was looking at, at these swallows, he was, just, he was just mesmerized by it, right? And there was three little, little pollitos, no, swallows. And, you know, I believe it was the, the dad of, of the little flock. I don't know if that's what you call birds, flock. Is that what you call it? <laughs> but essentially, one of the parents um, started pushing the little birds off the, off the little tree. And essentially, what the parent was doing was, hey, you got to learn how to fly, right? So the first one kind of got a little nudged and, and went. The second one had a little bit more of a struggle, but went. It wasn't until the third little swallow was going, and it seemed like the swallow was going to go off and start flying, but right as it's about to go and it gets pushed off, it hangs really tight and basically goes upside down. And so if you could just imagine this swallow, this little bird, upside down. Well, we, I mean, like us, we'd be like, oh my gosh, mijo, get up. But that's not what the, the parent did. The parent actually started picking at the feet, <laughs> basically saying, hey, like, you got to go, you got to fly. And he, here he writes, the grip was released and the inexperienced wings began pumping. 
the mature swallow knew what the chick did not, that it would fly, that there was no danger in making it do what it is perfectly designed to do. You heard that? Birds have feet and walk. Birds have talons and can grasp a branch securely. They can walk, they can cling, but flying is their characteristic action. And not until they fly, they are living at their best, gracefully and beautifully. I say that to say, once we learn to embrace who God made us to be, male or female, then we will be able to live our best, gracefully and beautifully. Value comes from God. Don't ever forget that. And with that, brothers and sisters, I would like to pray us out. Let us stand up and pray. This is a passage that never gets old for me. It's uh, Matthew eleven fifteen, And it says, whoever has ears, let them hear. So if you just hear this word, and whatever God is speaking to you at this time, let him come. Let him come into your heart. Tell him, Lord, I've, I've messed up. I've sinned. I might have blurred the lines of gender in the past. I might have messed up in the past. I've, I might have tried to be someone that I'm not. But today, today I want to embrace who you made me to be. With this, I will send this out. O oh God, our King, by the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, on the first day of the week, you conquered sin, put death to flight, and gave us the hope of everlasting life. Redeem all our days by this victory. Forgive our sins. Banish our fears. Make us bold to praise you and to do your will. And steal us to wait for the consummation of your kingdom on the last great day, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you forevermore. Love you guys.